We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Nick Whalen and Jake Latarski here on Monday, November 7th, week nine in the NFL, just about wrapped up. We have Bills at Seahawks as the Monday night uh, capper tonight, but plenty of action to recap from this weekend. Um, I don't think we need to touch too much on the Thursday game, right? That, that, nope. That's over by now. Uh, but I mean, Falcons win big over the Buccaneers, if yeah. you haven't heard. Hey, if you had Mike Evans shares, you started off the, on a very good spot. Yep. I've got three of them myself, but a couple. Of, it's it was a big weird fantasy week for me. So there might be a couple spots where I'm at risk of losing, despite starting with almost forty from Evans. But uh, but I, we'll see here. Let's get mm-hmm. into the week. 
yeah, big week, uh, big night, I should say, from Mike Evans, big night from Julio Jones. But let's talk uh, Sunday's games. We'll start. No London game this week, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reason to be up extremely early watching football. Uh, but we'll start with the Steelers at the Ravens, Baltimore 21, Pittsburgh 14. Uh, both these teams now 4-4. Four and four. I, To me, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't 100% in this game. The, the Pittsburgh offense certainly didn't move the ball as we're used to, just 32 yards on the ground from Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but you know, again, both these teams are four and four to me, Pittsburgh is still a much more talented team overall. And I think once they get fully healthy, uh, they'll probably show that over the second half. Yeah. I mean, this was a weird situation with Ben Roethlisberger. We didn't know if, uh, he was going to be inactive, if he was going to be active and backing up Jones, or if he was going to be active and starting, turns out he was active and starting, not quite at his best. I mean, just, uh, I mean, if you take any, uh, stake in ESPN's QBR just 14.6 so generally the clutch rating not so hot there but just 5.9 yards per attempt I'm going to go ahead and give him a pass in this one I'm pretty much going to give most of these Steelers a pass I mean Antonio Brown still had a good fantasy game 7 for 85 and a score good for him Eli Rogers actually led the way with 6 for 103 on 10 targets I'm still not sure I want to rush and get him on the waiver wire necessarily Le'Veon Bell is the big concern he won only 2.3 yards a carry uh, with uh, 6 for 38 through the air saving the day PPR format so this is pretty much as low as it gets for Le'Veon Bell though and I would be willing to bet that uh, this might be his lowest point total the rest of the way out yeah I think so and you know I think they kind of had to get away from running the ball in the second half uh, especially late in this game and you know that that accounts for only the 14 carries for Bell did have six catches though and that's what's so great about Le'Veon Bell is not only is he probably a top three rusher he's also probably top three when it comes to catching the ball and making plays out of the backfield yeah Big Ben threw the ball 45 times they ran the ball just 18 times to get an idea of of, uh, the distribution there though on the Ravens side uh, this is where I start to get a little bit concerned and or puzzled I guess you could say Terrence West 15 for 21 1.4 yards per carry against the Steelers defense that had gave up a 200 yard game to Ajayi I believe and have been getting torched pretty much on the ground not the case a lot of people maybe think it's time for Kenneth Dixon to step into a bigger role nine carries for 13 yards also 1.4 yards per carry here so uh just not not a lot to like on this Baltimore side fantasy wise unless you're a Mike Wallace owner there were only two rushes of more than 10 yards in this entire game one was by Bell one was by Joe Flacco so Mm -hmm. uh, if you like running the ball this was not necessarily the game to watch I'm pretty worried about Sammy Coates at this point and you know it's Sammy Coates you're not relying on this guy week to week Mm -hmm. but if you're looking at you know someone to take a kind of Hail Mary chance on in DFS or if you have buys and injuries and someone mm-hmm. you're using as your flex or your third receiver, Sammy Coates has given you nothing. You know, yeah. No catches, no targets even uh, in this loss to Baltimore. I, I believe he'd only had one catch over the last two weeks combined. Someone that clearly benefits from Big Ben being in the lineup and Big Ben being healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would almost put him in, in drop candidate I think so. ter- territory right now. If you're in a 16-teamer and really need someone, then then you maybe think I'd almost like my chances better with the Tyreek Hills and Kenny Stills of the world than than with the Sammy Coates, who clearly isn't one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, not 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 the effort that we're used to seeing from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see now how, to they, come. how the AFC North we can agree shakes on that, out. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Cowboys continue to roll over just about everyone. They're now seven and one. Uh, Thirty-five to ten was the score over the still winless. But still competitive, Cleveland Browns. This was yeah, uh, that might be a stretch. Not, maybe not to this say week. Still competitive. They, uh, they've been competitive though. I, I think going into this week, they were like 
they were 0-8, but you kind of felt like they had two or three games at least that they were in very good mm-hmm. position to win, including last week against the Jets. Uh, and they just, they just kind of found ways to lose. But there's a lot of talent on this offense, uh, especially at the skill positions. They got Corey Coleman back in this game. He wasn't a huge factor. Uh, had three for 41. Uh, Terrell Pryor Sr. did get in the end zone, scoring the lone touchdown for Cleveland. But this one was all about Dallas. Um, you know, we, we talked earlier today. I, I think... This was just a a well-executed game plan. I think they knew if they brought their C game, they would probably win this game. They stuck to the playbook. You know, they they didn't Mm -hmm. ask Dak to do anything too crazy. Zeke only had 18 carries, split almost evenly with Alfred Morris. Um, But, you know, this was just Dallas kind of pounding the ball 42 times on the ground for, uh, you know, over 160 yards as a team. Yeah, Dak wasn't asked to do too much, but he ended up with a pretty productive fantasy day. 21 for 27, 9.1 yards per attempt and three scores. You look at the Dallas rushers. Zeke Elliott had the game that he was essentially expected to have, 18 for 92, averaged over five yards a carry, scored twice. Then that game got way out of hand. I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier today on XM, but if we uh, if this game was remotely close, if Cody Kessler, who started over Josh McCown this week, so they, I think the Browns want to see what they're going to get out of the young guy. If Cody Kessler is able to keep this game anywhere anywhere within striking distance here, we see more Zeke, but instead we see Alfred Morris carry the ball 17 times for 56 yards. I mean, I don't look into this much at all. I'm not trying to get Alfred Morris. I'm not discounting Zeke Elliott at all. Purely a matter of game flow here. Uh, The big disappointment here for the Dallas side, after last week I thought Des Bryant was starting to catch up and get some chemistry with Dak Prescott. Not at all the case on Sunday. Dropped a touchdown catch. uh, Got bottled up by Joe Hayden. And a healthy Joe Hayden does do a lot for this Browns defense, but that's just one small thing that's not going to fix a bigger problem here. Des Bryant, though, finished with just one catch on four targets for 19 yards. Jason Witten had the big fantasy day eight for 134 and a score as did Cole Beasley six for 56 and a score mm-hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, took their talents to Kansas City and <laughs> were once again defeated they have lost three straight they are two and six uh, this was an ugly game this was a game that Kansas City against probably 28 other teams in the league loses um you know, Jacksonville had a chance late to to take the lead. Um, you know, the Kansas City offense didn't look all that great, uh, but the difference really was turnovers. And Jacksonville lost three fumbles by three different players. Blake Bortles mm-hmm. threw a really, really bad interception uh, early in this game that led to Kansas City points. Um, but still, uh, just you know, without I guess without Alex Smith, without your top two running backs. Um, you know, still an encouraging win for for Kansas City. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of got lucky. I left Kansas City in as my survivor pick, uh, despite the quarterback news, and they ended up hanging on. Now this this uh, this game was interesting here. I know a lot of people were thinking, hey, maybe Foles comes out and plays well, throws the deep ball better. He uh, might be able to take some momentum and maybe start over Alex Smith. Doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Averages 5.7 yards per attempt here. The other thing on the Chiefs side, uh, Chuck Kendrick West, the DFS chalk play. I, I saw people on Twitter, it was Chalk Kendrick West. Again, kind of a dud against it with a pretty good matchup, just 13 for 39 yards. I mean, even though the Chiefs were ahead for almost the entirety of the game, they threw 33 times, ran just 22 times. Travis Kelsey, the leading receiver for the Chiefs, 5 for 58. The real thing with Kelsey, though, that stood out is he did get ejected from this game in, uh, in, in a pretty hilarious fashion, one of the best uh, cuts of uh, film that you might see in, in terms of uh, humor for, for the year here. Kelsey uh, got flagged for an unsportsmanlike, and then he turns around, pulls his towel out, and he chucks it uh, as in, like, hey, you're out of here, too. Or, Give me the it's like, <laughs> like an like a umpire in baseball ejecting a manager, and the manager turns around, well, I'm out of here. Now you're out of here, and, and, and does that. So cuts a good promo for Kel- catching Kelsey on E. That's probably the best 
best uh, thing that he'll get out of the day despite the Chiefs' win here. On the Jags' side, though, I think we finally saw the running back situation maybe start to sort itself out. Ivory, 18 carries for 107 yards, 5.9 a carry. The Chiefs didn't tackle all that well, uh, but he did look like the clear back, number one, as opposed to Yeldon, number two. But you mentioned the Jaguars' fumble, and he had a pretty costly fumble. That might get him in the doghouse, are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think this entire team belongs in the doghouse, to be honest, and Gus Bradley probably belongs in, in his own doghouse as well, but that, that's a that's a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was by far the most productive that this Jacksonville running game has been at, at any point this season, and Ivory was a big part of that, like you said. 42-yard uh, run early in this game, that, that accounted for a, a, a large portion of his 107 yards on the day, but he had a really, really costly fumble, and, and one that you know, looking back at the final score of this game is even more costly because he coughed it up on a, you know, I think it was a second and goal from basically the goal line uh, and and got hit right before crossing. It was a very iffy play. It was ruled a fumble, recovered by the Chiefs in the end zone on the field. They went to review, and it was pretty shaky. There was a, kind of a defender in the way. You couldn't quite see exactly when the ball came loose, uh, so not enough to really overturn that. So Chris Ivory should have had a touchdown attack on to those 18 carries and 107 yards. Maybe he gets the benefit of the doubt and continues to be I the think, lead back. Well, I think he's the more skilled he back. Is. He's, he's better than TJ. He is, but no like one there denies was, that now. Right. There were situations later in the game where they, you know, I think the Jags had another first and goal from the one uh, following a pass interference penalty, and who's carrying the ball there? It was Yeldon. You know, it's like yeah. this is why you have Chris Ivory is for these situations. That's why you paid so, him, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, if you watch the Jaguars at all this year, that's not really all that surprising. They lost three fumbles, uh, Ivory, Walters, and Yeldon. Each lost one. One of those came on a return early in the game from Walters basically setting the Chiefs up at the, yep. about their own uh, about the Jacksonville 25 yard line mm-hmm. I mean it was just on the bright side there was an Allen Robinson side there was there was uh there shouldn't have been in this in this regard I mean he got he he was able to get that that one touchdown uh that that came on the same situation where the Jaguars had a first and goal from the one yard line and were you know just horrible execution on first and second down before uh Bortles found Robinson on what was a really really difficult catch in the back of the end zone um you know you kind of hope it doesn't get to that point for a lot of teams uh, at least I didn't watching that game but I mean Allen Robinson's probably one of four or five receivers in the league that that come down with the catch and, and get yep. both feet in the way he did uh but we'll, we'll, we'll no more Jags talk that's enough uh we usually try to cap it at, at less than this uh, the Jets and the Dolphins. Jay Ajayi, still good. Even after yep. a bye week, he's still a good running back. 24 carries, 111 yards, and a score. Um, I, I This is probably about the top of what I expected for him, you know, against this really, really good Jets run defense, uh, one that came in as, as the best in the league in terms of yards allowed per game. Uh, so you, you kind of almost have to prorate it and say, like, all right, if he was going up against an average or a bad rush defense, how many yards would he have gone for? Because mm-hmm. 111 total, 111 rushing uh, yards total against this uh, New York Jets defense, I think, is really, really impressive. Yeah, who knows? Maybe this is the, the Dolphins' I guess identity for winning games yeah. now. You can find that there because they're up to 500 now for as bad as Ryan. Tannehill's played, and as quiet of a day as we saw from the receivers, Jarvis Landry just three for 33, Kenny Stills only caught one pass, only targeted once, kind of bizarre, mm-hmm. Devontae Parker, who's we found out this week, is kind of dealing with a little bit of a nagging hamstring injury, maybe hasn't been 100%, uh, for as bad as Tannehill and company was, really, I think overall, uh, this is their formula, kind of get a league at lead and then run it down with Jay Ajayi, who's proving to be possibly a top five back for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. 4.6 yards per carry, 
against a defense that's allowing, I mean, came in about 3.3 range. So that's very respectable. This Jets defense is uh, is incredibly talented. Their front seven is excellent. They almost have too many bodies for too few spots, especially on the defensive line here. The real story on them is them has been giving up the big plays. So I thought maybe we'd see some Parker or Stills in this game. Not necessarily the case, but Jay Ajayi got it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the abrupt retirement, I guess, of Arian Foster kind of removes any remaining cloudiness. Not Mm -hmm. that, you know, you really were too worried about Foster encroaching on that workload, but I mean, this is firmly Jay Ajayi's job, and they have really no reason to limit his workload at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, Damian Williams, five carries for 29 yeah. yards. I mean, you got to have somebody, I guess, spell him, but yeah. it's not like we Kenyon Drake returned a kick, I guess. That, I guess, proved to be the difference in this game it here. It did, yeah. I mean, uh, the Jets went down and took the lead, you know, mm-hmm. midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, at that point, it was like, all right, you know, same old Dolphins. You don't trust Ryan Tannehill to lead this drive to, to go win the game, and mm-hmm. luckily he didn't have to because Kenyon Drake just yeah. ran 96 yards immediately for a touchdown. We even saw a little bit of Bryce Petty in this game for the Jets Year yep. because i mean you know standard ryan sure. fitzpatrick stuff matt forte still surprisingly good from a fantasy perspective 12 for 92 in his score and you look at the jets receivers uh a guy named marshall led the uh receivers with yep. 59 yards but it was jalen marshall not brandon marshall to the dismay of many fantasy owners jalen three for 59 in a score brandon six for 45 quincy and just one for 25 just a, just a dud of a game here so yep. uh yeah once again a couple of teams that i don't see making any kind of deep playoff run even though the Dolphins are 500, I am not optimistic about their chances of making the playoffs. The Jets sit at three and six, but I mean, who really thinks they're going anywhere? No. And the thing is, any team that you're talking about in the AFC East has to be a wild card. You know, like there's not this chance that they maybe catch New England for the division. Like none of these teams are anywhere near the level uh, of the New England Patriots. But yeah, I mean, looking at that AFC East division, um, I mean, I... I don't really like any of those three teams, Miami, Buffalo, or the Jets. Like, if Buffalo finds a way to win at Seattle tonight, you know, then that would be then, impressive. Right, yeah, then that would be impressive. And you start thinking about them as maybe someone who could challenge a team out of the AFC North uh, for a wild card spot. But, I mean, right now, I think the West is firmly in charge of at least one wild card spot, right? I mean, you got 7 and 2 Oakland atop the division after beating Denver last night. And you got KC at six and two, and, and Denver sitting as you know about as strong a team mm-hmm. as there is at six and three. Yeah, and I mean I know D- Denver defense isn't fully healthy here, but a fully healthy Denver defense has the potential to win games on their own, right. kind of like how we one time thought about Minnesota, their defense right. being so well playing so well that they might be able to win some games, although not really the case here on Sunday. Yeah, I mean this this Denver team in a lot of ways, you know, I think this could kind of be reminiscent of of last season. You know, they they started the year. 7-0, and and all of a sudden they lose at Indianapolis and lose against KC back-to-back. And then, you know, everybody's jumping off Denver. They're not, they're not, they're not that good. They barely win at Chicago the next week. Then they beat New England, and then they, they win on the road at San Diego. Uh, so I think we could kind of see a resurgence again from this team, and this defense especially, to, to kind of remind uh, the rest of the AFC that they are the Super Bowl champions. And, and until anyone knocks them off, uh, you know, that's still going to be the case. Uh, the Eagles were at the Giants yesterday. Um, big game early for Odell Beckham had two touchdowns in the first half, uh, but really didn't do much at all for the rest of the yeah. game. Finished with just four for forty six, mm-hmm. but again, those two scores salvaging you know what, what would have otherwise been a quiet fantasy Absolutely. week. Absolutely good day for good fantasy day for Odell Beckham. Better fantasy day for Eli Manning. Four yeah. touchdowns, did throw two picks, but was solid enough here. Uh, the thing I look at, Victor Cruz kind of left with an ankle injury, so we'll see throughout the week how that plays out. Otherwise, it'll be the Beckham Shepherd show. But what I really like to watch this game for is finally we have these Giants running 
running backs kind of at full strength, full capacity here. And it was an even split between Paul Perkins and Rashad Jennings. Jennings, the veteran, the safe, comfortable option, 11 for 26, 2.4 a carry. Paul Perkins, 11 for 32, 2.9 a carry. Now, he's kind of the uh, the younger, the third down, the shifty, the elusive back, I guess you could say. I might... Now the now the Eagles defense is, has been has played pretty well this year, better than expected. I might actually try to go out and find Paul Perkins on the waiver wire if he's still there, especially if I'm still hanging on to Jennings in a league, just because uh, you know. Once this shift happens, I think Paul Perkins has a couple big fantasy games in him for the rest of the season here. Is he a running back that's going to be able to carry your team to the playoffs? That's questionable. But until bye weeks are wrapped up here, he's someone that needs to be in play. Yeah, I think so. This Giants backfield has been about as frustrating as any. The nice thing is. If you're avoiding them or you know kind of indecisive about who to grab, like it's not like anyone is like burned you week to week. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like every week it's Perkins, Jennings. You know, this this type of line, eleven for thirty two, eleven for twenty six. Mm-hmm. Like, they just really have not been able yeah. to get. At least Jennings going. scored in week eight, which is uh, yeah. you know kind of kind of leveled things off a little bit. But the Eagles backfield, another kind of a mystery because right. Matthews kind of took a backseat to Darren Sproles in this one, as expected after a yeah. costly fumble last week. However, Sproles thirteen for fifty seven. And uh, also, of course, had three catches for 14. Always has a role in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Wendell Smallwood, a couple of carries. Ryan Matthews also carried the ball five times for 15 yards, and he got the touchdown. So really, there's not a whole lot of clarity being added here. If it was PPR here, then Sproles probably had you the better game uh, by a little bit here. But Matthews taking enough value away to the point where neither back is particularly mm-hmm. valuable. Yeah, this Eagles team now sits at four and four. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more reminiscent of where we thought they would be, you know, prior to week one. But considering the way that they started the season and then how good Carson Wentz has looked, um, you know, even with them kind of kind of tailing off these last few weeks, it's not like Wentz has been terrible. He's just looking like a, a good rookie quarterback. Yeah, all, which... all four of their losses have been on the road, so right. the, so the Eagles are one and four uh, away from home, and um, maybe that's just having a rookie oh, quarterback. Oh, and three in the division too, and that's too. what's really hurt. Yeah, them, yep. Is that all of a sudden they're, they're in last place in the NFC East, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't think any of these teams are catching Dallas. Uh, but you know, with the with the shaky as the teams atop the North are mm-hmm. looking right now and it's kind of Atlanta and everybody else in the south mm-hmm. uh Arizona certainly has been disappointing and in, in the NFC West and even Seattle to an extent I mean there's go- both of these wild card spots right now are, are still completely very wide much, open in very, the very NFC. much up for grabs and, and lastly real quick I was happy to see that Carson Wentz decided to to acknowledge that Zachary Ertz exists yes caught all eight of his targets for 97 yards I think we might see him his role start to expand a bit moving forward yeah, absolutely. The Lions and the Vikings in the NFC North, probably the best finish of the week and one of the best finishes of the season. This one, mm-hmm. uh, da- uh, Detroit, I should say, put together a late drive uh, to set up a long field goal uh, for Matt Prater to uh, tie the game, 58 yards, mm-hmm. and that probably would have been good from about 65 the way it looked. He doesn't get any more true than that yeah. right through the I mean, middle of the Prater uprights. has the NFL record, right? I think he got it in Denver. I think so, yeah. yeah. It's automatically in Denver. Whenever the record said, it's always in Denver. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a nice little drive. that They get the ball back with only 23 seconds left, uh, and Matthew Stafford able to go to Golden Tate. Then he goes to Roberts for a couple long plays. Uh, they get a spike with two seconds left. Prater ties it up. Uh, and then Detroit getting the ball first in overtime. Um, put together a, a pretty impressive drive capped off by Golden Tate catching a ball along the sideline, a Minnesota defender basically running full speed, completely whiffing on the tackle. Uh, was it Harrison Smith who, who Tate shoved off? 
Yeah, it was some, I, I think Smith, yeah. Smith kind of had him in his grasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, another defender would have came over to, to yeah. kind of light him up, and Tate was able to slip away from mm-hmm. Smith. And, and then, then do he did a, one of those things where, like, if you're playing Madden and you just stop running at the one yard line, and your and your guy does yeah. some crazy flip or backflip into the Hit, thing, tap square, yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah, yeah, and it was completely unnecessary. I mean, he had the edge. He, he, obviously, he was going to take contact, but it was wildly unnecessary to leap from about the three yard line and do a flip. He's nailed in midair, you know, somehow held onto the ball with one hand, but uh, finishing in style, I guess, mm-hmm. was Golden Tate and. He seems to be back. Yeah. Um, you know, if this game, if the, ah, excuse me, if this game doesn't go into overtime and he doesn't have that play at the end of the game, it's a pretty average week for Golden Tate. But compared to what he was doing through the first five or six weeks of the season, uh, this is a guy who's you know over the last three weeks put together some games uh, that we expected from him to begin the year. Yeah, I'm still clinging to hope with Golden Tate in two leagues, but I did sit him this week because Minnesota has been just kryptonite for opposing wide receivers. Not a lot going there, and uh, they were for Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones a very much dud of a fantasy day. Only caught one of five targets for five yards. Kind of throw the Xavier Rhodes effect on there. But Tate targeted a team high 12 times. Caught 11 of those for, I mean, so the average isn't there, but that's kind of what you expect with uh, Tate being kind of more of a PPR type guy. Uh, So, yeah, Tate's going to be someone that's going to be wide receiver three status the rest of the season. The other big takeaway, I mean, it's got to be Stafford. If the Vikings who, or I'm sorry, if the Lions who are, I guess, a half came back Minnesota because they haven't had their bye week, uh, but if the Lions somehow win this NFC North division here, I know Matt, Matt Ryan's getting a lot of MVP hype, but I think another Matt, Matt Stafford, might kind of be in that conversation as well, the way he's been able How to... How bizarre is that, right? So like, bizarre. Who but, said, if somebody told you in, uh, in like mid-August that... Hey, man, Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford are both going to be looking like legit MVP Mm -hmm. candidates. It's just so weird because the numbers back him up, and so do like the game-winning drives. So you have to at least consider him. Real quick on the Vikings side, it was all Stephon Diggs offensively, 13 of 14 for 80 yards. Kind of a Golden Tate-type line, but without the touchdown. Minnesota can't run the ball at all. On the bright side, Sam Bradford only took two sacks in this game as opposed to the absolute beating he's been taking before that. Kind of efficient. I think they're getting the ball out of his hands quicker, 31 for 40 for 273 yards. Also, I have to keep in mind that the Lions have been giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks here, so maybe discount that Bradford performance a little bit. But with no running game, uh, I don't really have a lot of faith in this Vikings squad the rest of the season. No, and they, a game like this kind of bails out Green Bay in a lot of ways, which is, mm-hmm. you know, drop two straight. Uh, and, you know, if, if Minnesota wins both those games, all of a sudden the lead in the division becomes kind of, I wouldn't say insurmountable, but mm-hmm. the way that this Green Bay team has looked, you know, you don't love them to, to you know, gain three games over the final, uh, you know, eight games on the schedule. So everybody really in the NFC North kind of just... Yeah, you know, it's very low. You know, I'm looking ahead still... to the Packers Vikings on Christmas Eve. Right. I'm going to go to that game, and that's probably going to determine the division winner here because but you never know. I mean, Detroit but, can beat anybody, yeah. but Detroit, I also think, could lose to everybody except mm-hmm. for like three teams in the league any week. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the same. You don't know what exactly you're going to get from. Mm-hmm. They could get as they could get real cold just as easy yeah. as they've gotten real hot. And see, the thing I still think like Minnesota and Green Bay have higher floors than Detroit. You know, like Detroit might drop a couple, you know, shaky games down the stretch. Like, you know, obviously Green Bay loses to a bad Colts team at home and, you know, they lost in Atlanta last week. But they, they, they to me, like they don't have that absolute, you know, fallout floor like Detroit still does. Yeah, absolutely. So something to watch moving forward. Mm-hmm. One of the more intriguing divisional races. All right. Panthers were at the Rams. Uh, a little bit of a low scoring game, 13 to 10 in favor of Carolina, but a much, much, much needed win for the Carolina Panthers, who are, I don't know, so you know very much on the outside looking in in that division but uh you know with the way like we just talked about with the north and the east uh I mean that there's going to be a wild card spot up for grabs and 
I'm not quite ready to count Carolina out, which, you know, they're three and mm-hmm. five at the halfway point uh, in the season. So, you know, not, I wouldn't bet on them certainly, but I still think the talent is there. We saw this team, you know, mm-hmm. roll through just about everybody last season. If they can hit their stride, I, I think they can, they can make some noise at least and mm-hmm. maybe push for a, you know, a nine and seven wild card. There are two big roadblocks to this Panthers team having success. And I think some of them, they're a little bit related. One is not having much of a running game as a team averages 2.4 yards a carry. John Stewart, now that he's back 15 for 42 yards, not effective. And because the running game is not effective, they have to put the ball in the Cam Newton's hands more. And that's, risking his health it seems like every week here he he wants to hang on to the ball in the pocket and he wants to make plays but he's just not getting rid of the ball quickly enough and there were some clean hits where defensive linemen put the entire weight of their body into him those are clean and then there were maybe some dirty hits with another helmet to helmet a pretty blatant helmet to helmet that didn't get called but one way or another Derek Anderson's not going to lead you to the playoffs you need to keep Cam Newton upright and uh, either get the ball out of his hands quicker uh, some got to do something to protect him some of that's on the officials they got to they got to call some of those uh, blatant calls here but uh, you think after Cam Newton made a big stink about this last week that they'd give it a little bit of a closer eye not necessarily the case so the biggest hindrance to the Panthers possibly making a run is Cam Newton potentially going down because if he gets another concussion then then who knows what his availability is going to look like yeah I mean that's certainly the biggest concern and you know, even if he doesn't, you know, quote unquote, go down or you know get hurt, it's. I think he's affected mentally. You know, I yep. don't think he necessarily has to be hurt. I think it's already in his head. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can tell the the fact that he, you know, w- was comfortable, I guess, coming out for yep. the second time this season and kind of. You know, I don't think complaining is the right word because when you look at the tape, he has a point. You know, yep. and like you said, there was a, another kind of blatant helmet to helmet hit on a, a blitzing cornerback that went uncalled. Um, and and you know, I think the the fact that it's gotten to this point for him, he's clearly. Part of, part of what he's thinking about when he's on the field. It's, and, a, it's a matter of when, not if, am right. I going to get smoked on this exactly. play. And when you, th- you do that in 32 dropbacks, yeah. it starts to get to you a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, though, on the other side, Todd Gurley, 12 for 48. I mean, this is starting to become the norm for him. We discussed this a little bit earlier. When is it time to stop making excuses for Gurley? And also Chris Liss pointed out on Twitter, did Gurley and Melvin Gordon just switch bodies or something? That's Some possible. kind that, of a freaky Friday That's looking like the more thing. likely scenario at this yeah, point. Um, exactly. We'll get to Gordon in a bit. But like, Gurley, I just don't know how many more excuses I can make for him. And he might just fall into the top 10, 15 backs rest of season instead of the top five like we had hoped. Yeah, 3.1 yards per carry right now for Todd Gurley and Mm -hmm. it's hard to blame Gurley because we you know the talent's there you know we saw it for so much of last season we obviously saw it at Georgia Um, so I mean it's really hard for me to think that he's just gotten so much worse you know in the span Mm -hmm. of a year but he's 40th in the league right now in yards per carry which is just it's astounding and you know this LA Rams offensive line is not great by any means but Mm-hmm. um you know I, we've seen we've seen other backs you know in similar situations be able to do better than this i think the fact you know that you have this bad offensive line and the fact that you also have poor quarterback play and you also don't have that much talent at the you know in the passing game at the receiver position it is kind of it it does kind of all add up to all right defenses just have to focus on shutting down Gurley, and mm-hmm. we've seen them do that you know for eight straight weeks now yeah the chance for jared goff are only going to continue in la here mm-hmm. so uh that's going to continue i mean keenum 6.4 yards per attempt again he wasn't helped out much by his receivers like mm-hmm. kendrick's uh former badger he dropped a uh dropped a pretty clear-cut touchdown that was right in his hands here so not all falling on case keenum here but you got to score more than 10 points to win their defense put forth a winning effort really gave cam newton a beating but it just wasn't enough mm-hmm all right. Where else do we have in week nine go of the NFL? Forty Nine ers Saints. Oh, I want to go Forty Nine ers Saints. No, let me let me do this. Uh, let me do this fan clash read first. 
So if you love to play fantasy football and you think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. You can put that fantasy knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 9 and Week 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running free contests on FanClash against Rotowire experts on November 9th and November 15th. Again, it's a free contest for all Rotowire users with cash prizes on the line. You can reserve your spot now. You'll compete with Rotowire's own Kevin Payne on November 9th to see who really knows the most about the NFL trivia from all of Week 9's action. Cash prizes go up to the top 100 scores, and the top five also win free six months of access to rotowire.com. Go to fanclash.com now slash rotowire to sign up. And again, that takes place on Wednesday, November 9th. Uh, Nick, you much of a bar trivia guy at all? Yes, big time. Uh, the problem much. is I just have very like specific categories that I know. Like mm-hmm. if movies come up, which is like movies are like the most popular genre or yep. category for that type of stuff, and I don't know anything about movies. Mm-hmm. So that's a big issue. Do you have any like favorite categories like presidents sports, or science? Yeah, of course, uh, both of those Geography, sports. you know, like American mm-hmm. geography I'm pretty pretty decent at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. any recent music, I guess. Yeah, um, very much. All right. But, you know, I, I guess, I, I'm like I said, I'm a very specialized uh when it comes to mm-hmm. that. But I know you play a lot of bar trivia. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I don't know. My claim to fame last week, I got the last U.S. president to go to West Point was Eisenhower. Sure. And you want to talk geography, two countries that border Malaysia are, are Indonesia and Thailand. So we had that there going go. for us. So, uh, But anyway, anyway, back to we'll, football. We'll, to we'll talk about some Saints 49ers here. But, uh, yeah, dra- <laughs> draft Nick and I in your fantasy trivia teams. Come yeah. down to Madison, Wisconsin, play some bar trivia. Yeah, plenty. Of, there's so much bar trivia going on in this town. It's actually, you can play it's every single here. night if you want to. You can play like multiple times every night if you yeah. really want to. You could do one at the six and then go to the next bar at eight. Yep. Yeah, uh, but yeah, listen to the Rotowire Bar Trivia podcast for for all the recaps there. Coming soon, folks. New Orleans forty-one, San Francisco twenty-three. Uh, this is one of the higher over-unders of the week, and you know the reason for that is San Francisco's run defense is absolutely atrocious, and the Saints can score on just about everyone, despite being one of the more volatile teams week to week that you never really know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, uh, so a lot of people were thinking, okay, Hightower is going to kind of take a front seat to Mark Ingram this week. Ingram had a costly fumble here, but really, if you, if you know football, you know in your head that Mark Ingram is a better back than Tim Hightower. The skill set is more explosive. There's should be, in theory, more upside there. Hightower got more carries. Outcarried Ingram 23-15, to 15, but Hightower turned it into 87 yards and a touchdown, which, a respectable fantasy day. Ingram turned it in his 15 carries into 158 yards in a score, bolstered by a 75-yard run, and then he also caught a touchdown. So me thinking I'm going to be all smart, I, I swapped out Ingram for Hightower in our stake league. I should have just played both Saints backs. That would have been my ideal lineup this week. Uh, but I think overall, yeah, Hightower's got his, and it's an interesting split, but Ingram held on to the ball. As long as Ingram doesn't hurt himself, I think he should be the lead back, and I think we'll see that moving forward, barring any kind of injury or costly fumble. Yeah, I think this is almost kind of like a one-week slap on the wrist type of thing for Ingram with the fumbles. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, they know he's more talented than Tim Hightower, and it's better for this football team, you know, for Mark Ingram to to be running the ball more than Tim Hightower. Although, you know, you look at the split in this game, and Ingram was the back to own, of course, fifteen for one fifty-eight and a score. But Hightower mm-hmm. actually had twenty-three carries. 
a lot of that though is New Orleans was up big in this game, mm-hmm. and so maybe you know, some of those were going right. To I think it was the you know, second half, Hightower running the ball a lot. And as an Ingram owner, I don't mind seeing him, you know, kind of capped or rested a little bit because you want to see he has had some injury history, and you want to see his longevity come up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the receivers though? I mean, the passing game. Drew Brees had a nice day with three touchdown passes here. Uh, but we, one thing that we talked about when Annals. Analyzing this uh, receiving core earlier is Brandon Cooks is always going to get his, but Michael Thomas, who had five for seventy three and two touchdowns, is looking more and more like Willie Sneed owners thought they were going to get in Week One of the season here. Now that seems to be the Ohio State product in Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think you know we, I wouldn't say people look at Michael Thomas. Ah, there's a video auto plays here as coming out of nowhere. Um, but I mean, this is a guy who was viewed as a, a first round talent. I yep. think you know coming out of Ohio State ends up dropping to the mid second round. Um, but you know, this isn't just someone that new Orleans picked up to be their like third or fourth guy. Like I think down the road, this is a possible, you know, number one, mm-hmm. number one, a type of receiver. I'm Six, seeing Marcus Bolden numbers here kind of moving forward. Uh, maybe, maybe this, maybe next season for sure. I think he's going to move up on 2017 draft boards. Fantasy yeah, wise. I think so. And especially in this offense, you know, at, mm-hmm. at, at some point, obviously they're going to have to move on from Drew Brees and probably this kind of air raid type of style, or as at least as close as you get mm-hmm. to it. Uh, in the NFL, and I think the day that comes, they move on from Sean Payton. Yeah, and probably completely that reinvent seems to be everything. A package you know? deal type of thing. Um, yeah, but Michael Thomas, I mean, really, really good. I, the, again, this is a guy who, for you know, he might be the number one receiver for like five teams in the league right now. When you put this guy on, you know, uh, you know, a team like LA or Buffalo right now, and yeah. you know, you're looking at him as a really, really good option, but. It almost works against him that he plays with Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed. Uh, although, you know, being the third receiver in the New Orleans offense is probably better than mm-hmm. being the one or two in a, in a lot of offenses. It's kind of like when we talk about Green Bay. The third receiver yep. in an Aaron Rodgers offense has fantasy well, a, value. I mean, I mean, if it's Devontae Adams or whatever. A 2014 Aaron Rodgers yeah, offense. Yeah, a 2014 Aaron Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it's the same with the Saints here. Mm-hmm. Real quick, the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick almost threw for 400 yards, had 10.2 yards per attempt. So I'm not really going to advocate jumping on him in season long, but his, he had a great DFS week. And then, of course, we saw before the game, uh, uh, it was announced Carlos Hyde would be inactive. Dewan Harris picked up the big game, 10 for 59 on the ground, more active through the air, 5 for 83, and a score here. So uh, the Kaepernick-Harris stacks, <laughs> I guess, in, yeah. in DFS. Torrey Smith, non-existent, two for 18. I thought I was going to be sneaky with the Kaepernick-Smith stack, but it was Quentin Patton who led the way with six catches on nine targets for 106 yards and a score. That's probably enough 49ers talk for now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we have to hit on Cap, though. He, he was quietly, mm-hmm. wildly productive in yeah. this game. I uh, dogged him so much that he got to give him credit where credit's yeah. due. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Tennessee Titans and the San Diego Chargers. Uh, this was San Diego 43, Tennessee 35, two defensive touchdowns uh, for this Chargers defense. Uh, one, a fumble return of a Mariota fumble. The other, a interception return, of course, thrown by Mariota. So two very costly mistakes from Mariota. But outside of that, he wasn't too bad in this game. Did throw three mm-hmm. touchdowns, did get over 300 yards. And he ran for and one, And he too. ran for one as well. So if you, if you use Marcus Mariota in DFS, you, you probably didn't get burned all mm-hmm. that bad, although the two picks obviously yeah. work against that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the real story in this game was not the Tennessee rushing game, which has been so, so good and, you know, towards the Jaguars last week. It was San Diego. Like, not only did Melvin Gordon carry the ball 32 times, which is – you know, high for him, of course, but nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, we've seen mid-20s mm-hmm. carries for him in a lot of games this season, but almost gets to 200 yards, 196 yards, broke off a long run uh, late in this game to, 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 to boost that it, total yeah. even more. Only had one touchdown, uh, but for a guy who's made his living 
uh, as a fantasy commodity, at least getting into the end zone, it was nice to finally see him break out for what was easily the best game of his pro career. Yeah, I, I dogged Melvin Gordon a lot early in the year just because the yards for carry numbers weren't there. So I was trying to think of him. I was trying to push him off as a sell high candidate because he was so touchdown dependent. This game kind of shattered that notion completely. He was solid here. And I, I do want to touch on Mariota real quick. Even with all the negative points for turnovers, still had about a 30-point fantasy day. So he's pretty much been what we wanted Blake Bortles to be fantasy-wise. Someone that's often going to have to play from behind is a turnover risk, but is good enough to get the points in the end here. And uh, and this one, Rashard Matthews turned out to be his favorite target. Uh, six carries or catches for 63 yards and two scores on 10 targets. So who would have thought that you could stack Mariota Matthews and the Chargers defense, which you typically don't do in DFS, do a defense against your offense here. But that was the winning combination here on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, no Derrick Henry for Tennessee in this yep. one. He was he was active. He, I think he mm-hmm. injured his hamstring, I want to say, early in the it, game. It looks like an didn't... injured left calf. He's going to have an MRI Monday, so uh, stay tuned to rotowire.com to get more information mm-hmm. on that. But Antonio Andrews carried the ball twice in his stead. No big chicken. Yeah, I think there. there was some belief that maybe you know, both Murray and, and Henry were really productive against Jacksonville. That you know this might become more of an even split, you know, with Henry looking good, and mm-hmm. it, maybe that's what he deserves because he has looked really good. But I think Demarco Murray has just been so strong yeah. that there's no real reason for this to ever become more than like a you know two thirds, one thirds type of split in favor of Murray, at least not this season. Yeah, absolutely. Murray actually had more catches than anybody, seven for twenty nine, and then fourteen for fifty one mm-hmm. on the ground in his score. So not a huge rushing day, but Murray still being very yep. fantasy productive. I think when the Titans' offense is at its peak, at its best, I think we see carries from both of those guys with maybe. 20 for Murray, 8 to 10 for Henry here. But uh, for now, Henry owners, he's going to – I know people are hanging on to him as a late sleeper, but if he has to miss any kind of time, we'll see how those MRI results go. But he could be a drop candidate if he has to miss some time. Yeah, this is just a clean game overall, you know, a a fun, uh, high-scoring game. Obviously, Mariota had the two turnovers, but uh, Rivers was sacked only once. Mariota wasn't sacked at all. So uh, one of the more fun games to watch between two teams that – you never really know what's going to happen with either of these teams. Like San Diego was in like firm control of this game for most of it. All of a sudden Tennessee comes roaring back. Like usually when you get two defensive touchdowns at home, it shouldn't be a, you know, an eight point spread, but that's San Diego always finds ways to make things interesting. Uh, Indianapolis was at green Bay. <sighs> you Just know, brutal, man. yeah, you're a green Bay guy. So I'll let you kind of set the stage here. Yeah. So, Okay, so the Colts started off by running the opening kickoff back. I know you're familiar with Jordan Todman being a oh, Jags yeah. X, guy yourself. Jags, great Jordan Todman. Yeah, ran the opening kickoff back, and then I just it's it's almost like that deflated the energy of the Packers. And Rodgers kind of called out his teammates after the game, saying that the energy level just wasn't quite there. And if you you'd think looking at this box score, okay, the Colts scored 31 here, and Andrew Luck would have this huge fantasy day. He was pretty cheap. He was 8,000 on FanDuel, so it seemed like a really good cash game play. Only threw one touchdown and two picks with sack twice Frank Gore had the big day 60 yards rushing and two touchdowns but again that's kind of the ceiling for him T.Y. Hilton led the way six for 82 Jack Doyle five for 61 Dante Moncrief the only receiver to find the end zone three for 55 here so yeah modest day from those types of guys here even with Dwayne Allen back Jack Doyle still more productive on the Packers side Aaron Rodgers almost 300 yards just 6.9 per attempt three touchdowns but uh, so another good fantasy day. Jordy Nelson, seven for 94 in a score. Devontae Adams got his. So did Randall Cobb, who was non-existent. Decoy in the first half, not even playing snaps. Played a role in the second half. And, and man, the Packers went down in the second to last, well, what I thought was going to be their second to last drive of the game. They went down in two minutes, scored really quickly, and then kind of came back around. And they, they gave the ball to the Colts with three and a half left. 
And oh man, on third and ten after the after the Colts somehow called a pass on second and ten, they had Haha Clinton Dix coming around the corner with a free shot at luck, and he pretty much whiffed, and that pretty much erases the two pick and sack from earlier that Haha had because. Of course, Andrew Luck steps up and finds Jack Doyle for what proved to be one of the game's ceiling yep. plays here. So just a brutal loss to watch if you're a Packers fan. Yeah, I mean, this game looked like it was over, um, you know, kind of early in the fourth quarter uh, with just over nine and a half minutes left. Indianapolis mm-hmm. went up 31 to 13. I mean, at that point, yeah. Green Bay had just punted. Like, their offense yeah. was looking stagnant. Luck had a and, very long, time-consuming, right. you know, very yep. solid drive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, again, at that point, you know, it's an 18-point game. Uh, and then Green Bay comes right back. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams catches a touchdown, or excuse me, not Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams had the the two point conversion attempt, mm-hmm. um, but which was also a little bit mysterious. I don't know why they don't just kick it because then it's only a one score game. Yeah, and, you know, and then you have a field goal instead of having to get a second touchdown right. there. Ultimately, didn't matter because uh, they were unable to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting call. Yeah, at that point, you know, it's touchdown versus field goal. But yeah, I mean, Green Bay, like you said, they they come back, they force a quick three and out uh, for for Indianapolis, and all of a sudden it's okay. You know, Green Bay gets the ball back with with just over five minutes left. They go right down under two minutes, like you said, seven plays. Uh, you know, kind of a vintage Aaron Rodgers type of drive where it was. You know, you, you knew they weren't running the ball. It was snap to him, quick out. You know, yep. hit hit Cobb for fifteen, hit Nelson for seven. You know, get out of bounds, stuff like that. And, yeah, like you said, at that point, it felt like they had the momentum. The crowd was back into it. Uh, it was a five-point game. And, you know, like you said, they had, him, they had him dead to rights. I think Pagano calling that pass over the middle on second down. Green yeah. Bay was able to get pressure. Luck throws low. You stop the clocks. I mean, Green Bay, you know, ha- didn't have to use its final timeout. Uh, and then to, to, that was just a backbreaker, yeah, obviously, to give up that, that, that pass over the middle because it had the feel that if Green Bay got the ball back, it felt like they were going to score. Yeah, apologies to any children in my apartment complex that happened to be <laughs> listening. My, uh, I was just alone watching the game for the second half. Just, the, just very much an outburst in there. <laughs> if I had furniture to flip over, it, it, chances are it was. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're by yourself then. Um, but yeah, Jordy Nelson was productive in this one, seven for ninety four, uh, and a score. Almost had another one. This game is probably different if Jeff Janis catches what was a perfectly thrown ball, maybe the best ball of the day mm-hmm. uh, from Aaron Rodgers outside of his, his touchdown throw to Cobb, which was which was. I vintage. don't think Rodgers has a ton of confidence in Janis even heading into this game. I think he knew game. he was dropping that as and soon this, as he threw it, and this didn't necessarily help his case at all. You could just see it in Rodgers' face, like you know, what the hell is he doing out there? You know, it hits, really, hits him yeah. in the hands. It, it, it was pretty disgusting. It was just, yeah, they showed Rodgers' face right after the drop, and it was just. You know the click the chin strap and you know kind of shake the head and walk to the sideline. Like what else can you yeah, do? You can't do a whole. Uh, lot. He did have a couple of overthrows. I mean, there were a few times where I think Adams you know broke loose over the middle and Rodgers missed him by a stride or two. But the, the Janus one was a real backbreaker mm-hmm. because that was a, a great great throw that probably goes for a touchdown if he catches that. Yeah, ninety percent of receive NFL caliber yep. receivers. You know, I, everyone has their drops. I guess don't want to dog him too much. But given the history between Rodgers and Janus, like yeah, I don't know. I just I Rogers doesn't. Bad how, for how do you how do you throw the ball to Janus anymore if you're right. Aaron Rodgers? Is there any trust whatsoever? I don't care how wide open he is. Right. Do you even let it's, that pass go? No, I mean unless it's a hail mary, which has become you know. A cliche joke, I guess, around Green Bay at this exactly. point. You can't really trust him. Uh, the Sunday night game, Denver and Oakland. I thought Denver was going to come out and and kind of reestablish their dominance and show that they're the best team in the AFC West, but that was not at all the case in this one. Uh, Oakland able to jump out early to a 6-0 lead. Um, you know, the Denver D it bent but didn't break early, but 
uh, in the second quarter, you know, Oakland was really able to start getting things going. And, and the big story really was Latavius Murray. I mean, we, we talked about Derek Carr as a possible MVP candidate, and certainly he still is mm-hmm. as the quarterback uh, of a 7-2 and two team. But he didn't even find the end zone yeah, in this he game. He was very, very quiet. Yeah, very quiet. And, and that's to be expected against a, a very good Denver defense. But mm-hmm. they were able to gash that D on the ground of 218 yards total. Uh, all three backs, Washington, Richard, and, and Latavius Murray were productive, but Murray was a real story. 20 for 114 and three scores. Yeah, this Denver defense has uh, shown that they're very tough against the pass. Part of that's their pass rush, Von Miller. Part of that is just excellent cornerbacks, but even though Aqib Tlaib was inactive for this game. But there's been games where the Denver defense has given up a decent amount of points to opposing running backs. So that kind of challenges the notion. Just because you have a back going against Denver doesn't mean you, they're an automatic sit. You have to consider starting them, uh, whether you know Melvin Gordon did it to him a few times. Melvin Gordon's kind of looking like he's uh, on a level of his own this year. But uh, Latavius Murray had an excellent game as a team. They averaged over five yards a carry, collected 218 yards on the ground against uh, the Denver Broncos here. On the Broncos' side, Simeon had what looked to be a decent stat line, but, uh, I mean, that was really bolstered a lot by a 69-yard touchdown catch from your boy Capri Bibbs there. Otherwise, that line looks pretty ugly for Simeon. The Capri Bibbs. um, Yeah, late in this game, Capri Bibbs put together probably the most impressive play uh, of the entire night. Uh, Really, the game was, was, you know, decided by that point it was 30 to 13 prior mm-hmm. to that touchdown uh but yeah it took a screen pass from trevor simeon shook off what seemed like 15 defenders and then took it all the way to the house so mm-hmm. you know I, I don't think you know you're not looking to capri bibbs as even i don't think he's even a waiver pickup at this no, point like Devonte booker don't get me wrong has been very disappointing these last two mm-hmm. weeks but I think we know the talent is there, and you know eventually I think he's going to find his yeah. stride. Yeah, I still buy Booker's skills. Part of the problem in this one is uh, the the Raiders got the lead early and never looked back, and then you look at the final play distribution. Simeon attempted 37 passes. As a team, they attempted 12 runs. So Devontae Booker, although he had a nice matchup on paper, I'm going to attribute most of this one to game flow, and I'm still... I still think in my heart and in my head that Devontae Booker's a top 10 back rest of season. I think so, too. I, I mean... Two weeks ago, if you were a Booker owner, like you're never rooting for an injury, obviously, but it was, you know, Booker looked like he was going to kind of force a, a mm-hmm. close to an even split with C.J. Anderson. Yeah. All of a sudden, C.J. Anderson gets hurt, and it's like, wow, if you're a Booker owner, you just kind of hit the jackpot for the rest of the season. And I think in some ways you kind of still have because we know how productive this Denver mm-hmm. running game and Denver offense can be, but he has not shown it these last two weeks. Yeah, he just might not have uh, got the win here in Week mm-hmm. 9. And, uh, yeah, it's this is such a weird box score. Capri Bibbs, leading receiver, then Jordan Norwood, and then Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders, the two guys you expect each had, a, each had five catches here. So neither really uh, – neither real big performances. Amari Cooper on the Raiders' side, 6 for 56. They just didn't – neither quarterback could really get, go, get it going in this one. No, no. Uh, so Monday night, tonight, we have the Bills at the Seahawks. Seattle, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Jury's still out on whether McCoy's going to play, right? Yeah, it looks like he is questionable for the game. Coach Rex Ryan, of course, you know, take what he says with a grain of salt sometimes. But he said on set, back on Saturday that he is, quote, confident McCoy will play. I guess we'll see. The one thing you got to know for sure is to check on rotowire.com for the inactive report about 90 minutes before kickoff tonight. Personally, I've got McCoy in one lineup right now. I am waiting. I'm up by 13 points. I've got McCoy going against the Seahawks defense and Jimmy Graham. If McCoy doesn't play for whatever reason, my contingency plan, and I didn't try to go after Mike Gillisley. I have CJ Procise because I don't know if I I want to do a running back up against that How Seahawks much, defense I mean, unless he's McCoy. Obviously, we don't know for sure anything right now, but like if you had to make your decision now, 
you know, between ProSize and, like, you know, there's a 70% chance we'll say McCoy plays. Like, yeah. how much are you confident that you can get, you know, 10 to 13 points like, out of CJ ProSize? Like, if I had to lock my lineup on at noon on Sunday, I probably would have uh, would would have thrown out McCoy. Yeah. Just because of the upside is there and because I had some guys on by. The, like, mm-hmm. th- this league particularly, I had Gronk on by, so I needed some big performances to kind of come through. And yeah. I got some of those big performances from Mike Evans and Mike Wallace here. Right. Uh, so it's amazing that I'm going to score a over 150 in the PPR and still have the potential to lose, mm-hmm. but but it's tough. I do like ProSize. As a, he seems like he's being the pass catching back here, so uh, I, I like him because it is a PPR league to have a decent seven eight point floor. Not expecting too much more than that. Anything more is really a bonus here. It's going to more lie in the hands of Jimmy Graham what he does as to whether or not I win or lose tonight. How does this six and a half point spread look to you? I think it's about right for Seattle. Um, you could probably talk me into like seven seven and a half because I I don't think Buffalo is all that good. If McCoy doesn't play or I mean, even if he does play, what is he going to be at? 80%? You know, like the skill position players for Buffalo are so, so underwhelming, although they do have Percy Harvin now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I I just, I don't know. Maybe the spread's a little much just considering uh, how Russell Wilson's not been 100% quite yet. I guess we're going to have to wait and see on that. But Russell Wilson, when he has those lower body injuries that, you know, aren't necessarily being reported, it's clear he's not 100%. You take the mobility away, and not just rushing, but mobility inside the pocket, that seems to be a big detriment here. So uh, I, I think it'll be a close game. It'll be an interesting Monday night game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Yeah, that, that, that's going to do it for this week. I think here. it will. All right, um, who's, who hosts on Tuesday now? Who hosts on Tuesday? I'm gonna. It's uh, Eric and I tomorrow. Oh, so we're Eric and I, and we're going to talk about the waiver mm-hmm. wire tomorrow okay. and uh, and and get into that. So I kind of alluded to a couple pickups this week, but uh, you know I, I like to sit down and really break things down Monday night. Look at percent mm-hmm. owns. Take one last look through all the box scores. Look at the injuries, and then I'll put together a waiver wire show for you guys tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow to check out Eric and I talk waiver wire. Pace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.